right, now Al is here. He is joining us uh, via telephone somewhere near Heartland, Minnesota, distancing himself from the world. Hi, Al. How's it going? It's it's going well. It's a man. Yesterday was such a beautiful day. Oh. I, I, it was just uh, it was the loveliest of days. So I got a lot of walking in, and uh, I'm lucky I know to live where I do, where I can get out and walk a lot. And I just uh, I'm so appreciative of that. And I was listening to Song Sparrow singing, and I love I should say Song Sparrow. There was one of them singing. And these little guys, they look kind of, well, when you just look at them, you say, yeah, there's a little LBJ, a little, little brown job. But they, <laughs> they're beautiful. They have a streaked breast, and they'll usually have, or often anyway, have a dark spot in the center. And then they have dark feathers resembling mutton chops under its bill and they're persistent singers throughout spring and summer i i try never to let their song go to voicemail and the scientific name melodia means as you might expect melody and i believe that's greek so it's it's they're wonderful i'm seeing a lot of northern flickers in the yard these are avian anteaters so you will see them often feeding on the ground. I heard the rattling guru calls of sandhill cranes yesterday flying high in the sky, and a pair of American kestrels flew overhead on bent wings with swept-back tips as they exchanged excited keely, keely, keely notes. And these handsome falcons nest in cavities. They're likely, they likely nest in every county in Minnesota. I think when the breeding bird survey was done they they did not find nests in four counties but they thought that it was uh, some said possible and some said probable so it's a, it, there's a good chance they nest in every county in minnesota when we see them on the utility wires they look very much like a morning dove uh, perched up there but what beautiful little little birds i think they're and I said this often, to me they're our most beautiful raptor, but they're just so tiny that we we just can't notice them as we drive by, because where we usually see them is perched on a utility wire or something, and then we go by too fast and we don't see them. Um, Mark Sorensen of Hollandale asked why a pair of bald eagles would build a second nest. Hmm. Uh, Mark lives along Geneva Lake, and there's two nests, two bald eagle nests, fairly close together. And there could be a number of reasons, Mark. If they lose a mate, the new mate might say, you know what, I like the neighborhood, but I don't want to be in that same nest. Or if the site is disturbed, maybe there's something going on under the one tree. So again, they like the neighborhood, so they'll just move another one. Nest failure. Often if they do not bring off, they do not fledge young ones, then they'll move a little bit. Or if the nest tree was damaged, maybe a big branch broke or something like that, so then they might move somewhere else. Uh, Carol Schumacher, I've known Carol forever, she lives in Winona. She said, two flocks of eastern bluebirds were on the move in our neighborhood. What a delight to hear them singing treetop all along, I suppose, them singing. Maybe to hear singing treetops all along my 45-minute walk. On the Mississippi, viewed on Prairie Island, 
are numerous diving ducks with canvas backs, most numerous, even more beautiful when the sunlight hits. Our lean car of Northfield said one more thing. Not sure if I told you, but I had a queen rusty patched bumblebee in my flower gardens in September. Really was mm. exciting. And that's a, a uh, bee of great concern. Well, that uh, is one that uh, they are actually encouraging people to make pollinator gardens so we can save that rusty patch bumblebee. And I know they've been giving grants out, and I received a grant to do a special pollinator garden to make sure that we uh, plant to keep the, the rusty patch bumblebee alive oh, and well. Good for you. Yeah. I, I hope you... Uh, I hope you'll be reporting this summer that you saw one. I hope so, too. Uh, Tim Scott sent me a New York Times article about monarch butterflies. And it was about the western population of monarch butterflies that spend their winters in Pismo Beach. I've never been to Mexico to see the monarchs, but I have been to Pismo Beach. And there's uh, that's not the only site there's. Oh, I want to say there's at least several others in the cent- along the central California coast. And a few months later, after they, uh, after winter is kind of, they've thawed, they breed in the central valley and as far north and east as Idaho. And the western monarch population, again, this is one that lives west of the Rocky Mountains, as you might expect, Stood in the millions in 1980s. In 2017, the annual count found 200,000, and in 2018, the tally was about 30,000. So it went from millions in the 1980s to 30,000. Research pins the loss of western monarch butterflies on a variety of factors: uh, development, climate change, farming practices, and the widespread use of pesticides. So uh, a number of things going against them. Joaquin Huber said, Bunches of ducks, common and hooded mercancers, shovelers, gadwalls, scops, ringbill gulls, a falcon I couldn't ID, and best of all, an American widgeon. Spring is here. Oh, Joaquin, those are, those are fighting words, you know, in Minnesota. When you say spring is here, <laughs> somebody always gets ticked off. And what are they going to bring us, Karen? It's snowing cold by Friday, you said? Yeah, but it's not yeah. going to stick around, which is, I guess, the good good news. Well, that's good. We don't want to blame Joaquin for saying that. So. <laughs> uh, Byron Blood saw a Eurasian collared dove. Ken Nelson of Clark's Grove says he has a cardinal fighting with his window already. Artie Hobbybrunken of Albert Lee, this was really cool. Artie told me she moved to where she lives today because she could see bald eagles from her apartment. And she just thought that was the... That was a big selling point. Uh, Mark Sorensen, again, of Hollandale, saw pileated woodpeckers in his yard and on Geneva Lake, buffleheads, canvasback, and bluebills. Uh, Donna Bartness of Heartland sent a photo for ID of a beautiful house finch male. Ryan Shackleton said, saw my first turkey vulture of the year just south of the Mason City Walmart have also been seeing large groups of swans on Highway 18 in the field. Most trumpeters with a few possible tundras in the mix. Seeing the swans almost every day, so they're bound to show up in better areas for viewing soon. Uh, Being musing. You brought up the turkey vulture, and I had a a listener call in. Uh, 
His name is uh, Ralph Girk, and he's from Mankato. And he's talked to us before about this, and maybe you recall, he talked about just a whole bunch of turkey vultures on uh, Kearney Avenue. And this is, I don't know how, how long ago it was, but he said about a week ago, he says there was about five or six of the turkey vultures in one tree, uh, kind of in the center of uh Carney Avenue, which is on the west side of Man here, Mankato, and he says today now there are 18 to 20 in this tree, and he says you can find there's a, apparently something where you say where are the birds map, and it says the turkey yeah. vultures are just in this spot in Mankato, and he says wondering why are they all here, why they came back, and what's so attractive about this particular area. He says I don't know if it's a special tree. He says I know there is a dead tree near there, but he says I'm not sure if that's the one they're staying in. So just kind of why are all the turkey vultures hanging out in western Mankato on Kearney Avenue trees? Ralph, great to hear from you. Thanks for reporting that. Boy, it went from 5 to 18. That'd be a good investment. Maybe in a week. We should, if, yeah, if we have any money left, we should stick <laughs> it in the turkey vultures, yeah. perhaps. That's really going. You know, they, uh, first they will migrate in flocks, so they will hang out together, so you'll see good numbers during migration. They do like certain trees. Oh. Uh, I've, I've probably mentioned there's a beautiful uh, cemetery in Albert Lee where people call me every year and say there's all these turkey vultures in these trees. There's a number of reasons they would like them. They like a, a tall tree where the sun hits them in the morning oh. so they can dry out after a dewy or wet night. So they'll spread their their wings out. It's called a dihedral shape, and they just uh, it lets them dry out. They're very vocal, so they will fly together when searching for food. So you will see them sometimes. There'll be a number of them. Uh, oh, you can pick out landfills very often by seeing large flock of turkey vultures circling over this area. And if you get closer, you usually find out there's a landfill there. They have trees that they like for a number of reasons. One, I said that it's tall and the sun hits them. And it's also a place where they feel safe and they're not bugged by a lot of things. So they will find those and they'll just hang out there it's uh, you know we all have our favorite places that we like to go and hang out and that's kind of what they're doing what are they and, eating uh, what might attract them as far as food goes a uh, carrion oh so, so there's a lot of dead things dead. over on on carney avenue apparently maybe <laughs> whoa no, no no that's probably just where they're uh they're roosting for the oh. night and then they would leave in the morning or um, you know, I don't know that they're always that early of a riser because there's not, it, a lot of it depends on what the weather is like. So I think on nice sunny days, they might go out and go for a tour. They ride uh, uh, thermals, so they like uh, warm air thermals. It helps them to gain altitude, and then they can zoom all of a sudden instead of just that soaring. They would go out and probably check out a landfill, check out uh, lakes where somebody might have thrown up some uh, oh, dead carp or something they caught, hit the roads where they find deer. They will find deer out in a field, which is uh, perfect for them because then they can eat out in a field and not be bothered by cars. Otherwise, they got to fly up in the air. They come back down trying to eat this raccoon, and along comes another car. So they got to fly up in the air and come. <laughs> so they get more exercise than they do food. They will eat so much 
that we need to be careful when we see them on the road that sometimes they've eaten so much. We've all eaten enough <laughs> at Thanksgiving yeah. where it's hard to get out of that oh chair where you just go, oh, and you have to kind of rock <laughs> to get off it. That's what uh, turkey vultures get, too. They will eat as much as they can. I don't know that it's so much they're gluttonous, but they're just not sure where the next meal is coming from, so they eat when they can that it makes it difficult for them to become airborne. So uh, just be careful. They might be a little slower taking the wing than they normally are. But, yeah, Ralph, boy, let us know how many you get up to there. That is really, uh, I tell everybody, the turkey vulture is one of my favorite birds, and why wouldn't they be? They vomit all over the place. They urinate on themselves to cool off, and they feed on the dead. What could be a better bird to have? I don't know why everybody is not their favorite bird, but I the ones we have here are turkey vultures. You get to other parts of the country here, you also see black vultures. But uh, turkey vultures are they're pretty good citizens. They, uh, you know, did, would they like to kill something? Oh, probably. You get hungry enough, and they'll just say, heck with it, let's kill something. But they're <laughs> not really capable of doing that. So that's why they end up eating dead things. And we used to raise so many pumpkins, and you always had more pumpkins, and you knew what to do with when we had pigs. We had free-range pigs that kind of ruled the farm. And we would throw the pumpkins into the pigs, and oh, they just, they thought that was the greatest thing, you know. And and sometimes if we had so many that the pigs couldn't even eat them all, uh, turkey vultures would come in and feed on the rotting pumpkins. So they oh. will eat things other than, uh, I know a lot of the field guides and things will probably say they only eat carrion, but they will eat other things. But thanks, Ralph. Great to hear from you. Uh, Dean Musing said, Al, I have at times in my nature walks not always been able to see the birds, but I hear their songs, which are unknown to me. For times when birds aren't visible to us birders, are there any good apps or programs that are specific to identifying those birds by their song? Um, the one that comes to mind, Dean, is called Bird Genie, because I know one of the developers of it. It's a fairly new app that allows you to identify birds by their song. So you, you point your phone at the bird and you tap the record button. Bird Genie analyzes a song and helps you identify the species confidently from a small selection of the closest matches. I think there's only a hundred birds on there. So that's kind of the problem, but it, it gets the ones that you would commonly hear. And it helps a person get used to, uh, you can look at the bird maybe and hear it singing. And so it's, I think it's three ninety nine. I hope I'm right on the price of that. Uh, I've heard both good and bad things. I think it's still one of those that's kind of developing, uh, adding to and getting better. There's another one or two on there, too, and I know nothing about them. So, But there are several on there. But this one is the one that I, I hear the most about. And I have to be honest, I've not tried it. I've seen it uh, used, though. I've seen other people use it. So uh, save me having to spend the three ninety nine to <laughs> to try it, you know, being a cheap guy. Uh, there's also uh, wonderful apps that have songs on them. 
Uh, so you can look at the bird and you can look up, but you have to kind of know what bird you... You have to narrow the bird down to a few so you can check out these different songs. Uh, Audubon and Merlin are both free, which is a, a pretty cool thing. Uh, there's all different kinds. There's Peterson Guide, uh, Sibley, uh, National Geographic. There's so many of them that uh, they all come with a charge, but they're all good. Uh, is there one better than the other? Uh, I don't think so. I think it's all what a person enjoys. The nice thing about Audubon and Merlin is you can try those, kind of get used to it and say, you know, I think I'll try one of these other ones because they have a little bit more. And, and you kind of know the 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 road then to look for things but thanks dean i hope that's a halfway decent answer uh tom scanlon said yesterday morning i had two eurasian collared doves on the ground below my feeder all morning except when they were resting on top of the shepherd's pole all puffed up first time ever here in my yard pamela freeman said crows have this amazing rattle or chattering sound they do sometimes I can't figure out what they are communicating with it, but it always catches my attention. Well, maybe that's their purpose, is just to get your attention. Uh, Pamela said, they're one of my favorite birds, perhaps not the most colorful of plume, but of character. Now they have such vibrant personalities, and their smaller, more colorful cousin, a blue jay, who mimics others. Yesterday I heard a robin and looked to see what robin was cheeping so emphatically out the window. It was a blue jay. I've heard them mimic hawks quite believably, but I've never heard one mimic a robin. The hawk mimic scatters other birds from the feeder, so I can see the reason behind it. But a robin, perhaps it was doing it out of joy of being able to do so. I had pussy willows out already three weeks ago. No, Not much sign of spring birds, but heard northern leopard frogs Friday evening. Uh, the rattling sound, Pamela. Uh, this sound has puzzled scientists, and they agree it means something, probably something really important, but they're not sure what that something is. So, uh, Adam Herman, kind of a similar thing. I had an interesting experience, Adam says. I think I heard a blue jay mimicking a ring-billed gull. Aside from miscellaneous binks and bonks they make, I've heard blue jays mimicking red-tailed, broad-winged, and cooper's hawks but I've never heard a non-raptor bird being mimic. Am I misidentifying this? Uh, Adams sent along a um, an audio of that, and it is a red-tailed hawk that it's doing, Adam. So uh, I can see how it could be mistaken for a gull. Uh, Tammy Vogel said, a turkey vulture soared low over my house. Was wondering when I'd see my first one. No yellow rump warblers yet. Haven't heard any woodcocks yet but did see a flock of 70-plus robins land in our yard last evening. We have overwintering robins, but this was the first large spring flock. I love how they look like a squadron coming into land one after another. Found my crocuses nearly ready to open. Such welcome signs of spring. Mine, mine are too. I've got the crocus, and then I see some of those little muscaries coming up, and I'm so excited out uh, by the lake house. They have been popping up. And around my house, I've got the tulips, of course not in bloom, but coming up as well as the daffodils. And I've been spraying them with lots of deer repellent stuff, especially the tulips, because they, they certainly are like candy to a deer. How about uh, dandelions? Any dandelions yet? I have I have not seen any of those yet, but okay. I'm not spraying those to keep the deer away, however. 
<laughs> no, no. It's, you know, I oh, I am so happy to see the first dandelion of spring. It's just, uh, it screams out spring, you know, and I know it's not the most popular plant uh, for a good share of people, but I just, I love seeing it. A little bit of color, and it's a flower. I just... Yes. Uh, Millie Wefflin of Hayward uh, said on Friday she saw her first purple martin. She is a purple martin landlord and also a turkey vulture. Richard Becker said, I spotted 30-some-odd sandhill cranes in V formations drifting south to north over our lake. On the lake were a couple of loons, a number of common mergansers, mallards, and geese, and a grebe too far away to be sure, but likely a pied build. My trees around the lake had uh, a belted kingfisher and what looks like a song sparrow. Larry Iverson. Um, Larry's a pastor. I've known him for many years. He and I went to Costa Rica together. and They drew straws, and he got to be my roommate uh, for the whole time. So I, I should once again <laughs> apologize to Larry for everything. But uh, Larry said, most of the winter I've not had any bird activity at the feeders outside my window at my condo. I have inexpensive bird seed in one tube feeder and safflower seed in the other. I've been putting out a bit of seed on the ground as well the past few days after the snow melted. The past two or three days, I've had a community of juncos, sparrows, chickadees, and an occasional morning dove or two, some rabbits and a squirrel, and lately a few grackles as well. It has been fun to watch, especially in these stay-at-home days, which will now go another month. They don't care much for the safflower, but when I had more expensive mixture with just sunflowers, the blackbirds emptied it and kept a lot of the other birds away. Anyway, it has been a bright spot in these days, so I may have to shop for more bird seed soon, but I usually buy a little cheaper at a feed store in Rochester, which is closed now, so probably a trip to Fleet Farm or Target is in the offing. Wow, boy, I know you love to shop, Larry. So. <laughs> uh, Tom Jessen, our good buddy TJ of Medelia, uh, took a stroll along the Watanwan River, and he said the chorus frogs were calling, so that's the ones that sound like uh, we're running a thumbnail down the teeth of a comb. He counted 71 garter snakes, as Tom Ooh. says, they were sliding around. And uh, he went to, uh, Tom refers to it as his secret happy place, <laughs> and that's a place filled with snakes, so it's probably different than uh, a lot of you, when you think of your secret happy place, uh, he said most were less than two feet long, and his record in one day, 105. Oh, my snakes. gosh. So well, now, are oh. they just hatching now? Is that why he's seeing so many of the, the little ones? No, their uh, fancy has turned. So oh. they are looking for love in all the right places. <laughs> okay. So that's why he sees so many of them out there now. So. Yeah, Tom. Yeah, I love TJ. He's just a cool guy. So, and he loves those snakes. He, everyone he has a picture of, uh, he sends me a photo of one in his hand. And uh, some of them I can tell apart, but uh, I'm afraid uh, I wouldn't do me any good to name them because I wouldn't be able to tell one from the other very long. Well, for some reason, my sons are both on a kick that they need a snake for a pet, and my husband and I aren't really excited about it. I'm sure TJ, if he's listening, would say, well, yeah, they're great pets. Um, but they want uh, garter snake is what they were thinking. And so uh, I'll have to talk to Tom maybe to find out if I should 
you know, catch my own garter snake, or do you have to go to a store to get them, or I, I don't know, is, is do they make good pets? Do you know? Have you ever had one, Al? Um, you know, for uh, short times, when I was a kid, I'd bring everything in and put them in an old aquarium for a day or two just to, Oh, so I don't know. I figured I could learn about them and talk to them, and maybe I'd be the first one that would be a snake whisperer, and they would talk <laughs> back to me. And so, but uh, I had a mom that would come in and say, "How long have you had that thing now?" And <laughs> sometimes you say, "What is that?" And how long have you had it? And then uh, she would uh, not only make me take it back <laughs> outside, she'd make me take it back to the exact spot where oh. I found it and, and release it. But I brought in a lot of beetles. I love tiger beetles and uh, dung beetles and those kind of things. So I brought in a lot of that stuff. But um, what, did you, said, uh, what do you put a snake in then? Because we have aquariums and things, and my, my husband's like, don't tell them we've got that aquarium in the basement, whatever you do. <laughs> <laughs> I think that would uh, probably work. And I bet TJ would give you... He would be a veritable fount of oh, yeah. information about uh, what uh, I know. There's a a herp society, yeah, and they know which are the good snakes and the bad snakes to have as pets and how to keep them and all those wonderful things. So uh, it would certainly be a learning experience. I, I never ever considered having one uh, as a pet of any permanence. I just I wanted to look at them. I wanted to learn all I could about them, and then uh, I wanted to. Well, I, I don't know that I wanted to let them go, but my mom made me. I will. So, I uh, told the boys the cats probably would eat them, so we shouldn't have them. <laughs> well, I think that's um, that's a good argument. It's hard to argue if you're a boy against that. Is just say, well, the cats will eat it. Well, that's okay then. I guess so. Maybe <laughs> they'll uh, try to find a, a vulture or something. Oh that boy. They could keep. <laughs> Wouldn't that be cool? I, I grew up reading New Yorker cartoons. Charles Adams uh, drew these. Uh, oh, they weren't grotesque, but they were kind of morbid. And they were a lot of, some of his would have vultures in them, just these morose, forlorn birds. And I always thought, well, those are just the greatest vultures ever. And uh, maybe that's why I like vultures, too, is because of Charles Adams. See, Al, before we go on, I got another yeah. another uh, text from a listener. It says, ask Al Bat about my female cardinal and robin that peck on my windows on opposite sides of the house. It's been going on for weeks. So opposite sides of the house on the windows, a female cardinal and a robin. What's going on? It's been, it's been just a, the weirdest year. I've heard from more people <laughs> uh, so early. You know, a lot of people are saying, I don't have a whole lot of birds but apparently all the ones I have are attacking my house because they're pounding on the on the window. And I have had that, too, not too terribly much. I put a feeder on one of them where they uh, fought because I thought, well, that'll, that'll stop them. They'll realize there's something there. But I had one cardinal who would then fight against the window, and then he would rest on that feeder, a platform feeder on the window, so he could just kind of perch there, <laughs> get his breath back, and then fight some more. So it was like a corner in a boxing ring for him, so it wasn't very helpful. They are seeing their images in those mirror, mirrored images in the glass of the window. So what should and, she do? Is there something, I mean, because obviously it must be bothering her that she mentioned for weeks, so... Yeah, and it's usually, and I, I 
underline, highlight, and put it in bold print. Uh, usually, it doesn't last much longer than that. Okay. That said, you know how our springs are here. They can be delayed by quite a bit. So if that happens, then the robin or the cardinal, they got more time to work on the window because oh, no. they don't have uh, nest duties yet. So it extends that period. If you can cover the outside, if you try covering the inside, in most cases it just enhances a mirrored image. So if you can cover the outside with... Um, you know, we're all home, so you can cover it with anything you want. You can put canvas and cardboard, <laughs> and all kinds of Burlap. attractive things on there. Yeah, because nobody's going to come over and say, oh, my goodness, what are, you, what are you doing here? You just lowered the average value of a house here by $20,000. By doing that, the whole neighborhood's up in arms. You can, uh, if you do that, I will uh, say that they will very often move to another window. They can be very persistent because they want to drive that other bird out of their territory. Uh, birds are smarter than we are in many ways, but some birds can't figure out that whole mirror thing. <laughs> and if you've had a parakeet or something, we'd give them a cuddle bone, and then you put a little mirror in there, and they'd go over and just say sweet nothings to that mirrored image. So it's... There, it's nothing personal. There's, they're not. It's nothing to do with you. They just see themselves and they want to drive it out of there. So you need to break up that image. You can soap the windows. I like plastic cling. I'll put that on the window because it distorts it. So then it doesn't look so much like another bird that they want to drive off. But again, they will go to another window. And, if you try one of those, please let us know if you had any luck or if it was just a miserable failure and say, Al, you dunderhead, <laughs> what, you told me to put this up. Now the neighbors are all mad at me and I'll have to move. But I was wondering uh, why it's a cardinal and a robin. I mean, I, are some b birds more likely? I always hear about cardinals, I guess not so much robins. So is there a certain type of bird or doesn't it really matter? Yeah, they're the ones that are very often in our yard. I've had a great crested flycatcher, a chipping sparrow. Uh, I've seen uh, listeners have sent me videos of wild turkeys, which, oh, man, that would be dreadful, uh, fighting with a basement window. Uh, pheasants have been known to do this. Uh, one guy um, sent me a thing that his pet rooster chicken would fight with it. He'd let the chicken outside. First, he just thought the chicken was knocking on the door because they wanted to come in the house because that's the way we are. If we name a pet, we give it all kinds of um, Human brilliance. characters, yeah. Yeah, but it, um, it didn't want to come in. It wanted to fight with the rooster in the glass. That's what it was doing, and it was just enjoying itself, trying to beat up this guy that refused to leave no matter how much a battering this rooster gave it. So there are a lot of other birds that will fight with them, but cardinals and robins are are our yard birds. They like us and they hang around the yard and they will fight with it. Some birds have figured it out. Magpies, probably crows, a lot of the corvids, uh, they just ignore it. Uh, I raise geese. I don't think they would have cared about a mirror. They would just said uh, take that away. So. Well, our listener Cheryl had commented she's put teddy bears in the in the windows and it has helped because in their community, she's from River Falls in Wisconsin, they are doing the thing where you put uh, 
teddy bears or something in the window and then the kids go around during this time of being confined and then they're, it's kind of a game. Parents take them around and then they say, oh, look, there's a teddy bear there and they go out and they count and see how many oh. teddy bears they can see. And so that's that's what she did. And she says, well, maybe I should draw with window uh, markers, uh, put some Easter eggs on there. And so I guess maybe there's an idea for her too. Cheryl, that sounds like a wonderful idea. And what a neat thing for uh, River Falls. I, I love River Falls. Got a couple friends of the family are playing basketball for the UWRF. So it's a wonderful place. And I, I hope something works for you. I feel your pain. Uh, I've gone... I had a um, robin that would get into the fermented berries and he would fight with a window because he was uh, not only trying to beat up this other robin, he was an inebriated robin while doing it. And uh, I would go out and pick him up. He was just exhausted, puffing against the window, and I would talk to him and just try to sort out where his, where his hostility was coming from. But he uh, he was a male, so he wasn't much for sharing, but it was... Uh, I know how that is. He just would not stop. I hope that uh, you have somewhere to go today, out in your backyard, or just find that, uh, as TJ said, that uh, secret happy place. And it doesn't even have to be a secret happy place. A happy place where you can um, move about a little bit. And, uh, you know, we, we hear about forest bathing. There's so many good things that come from just walking outside and walking a little bit in the sunlight. I was in Kearney, Nebraska, in the middle of March, and it snowed, and there was sleet to go with it. First it sleeted, then it snowed, then it sleeted. So I scraped my windshield, windows, mirrors, and headlights, and then I scraped them again. Finally, I got those kind of clear. Then I looked up at the roof of my car, and there's like a an igloo up there, this giant, icy, snowy thing. So I scraped the roof of my car. I had one of those long-handled scrapers. The snow was frozen in place, and it was a task, but I finally got it all knocked off. And then I saw a big SUV drive by, and it was driven by a lady from Lincoln, who I've known for years. And she's a short little gal but she has this huge vehicle and uh, she'd clean what snow she could reach from her car leaving a big white stripe of snow down the middle of its roof where she couldn't reach that far (laughs) you're all familiar with the mohawk hairstyle in which the scalp Mm. is shaved except for an upright strip of hair that runs across the crown of the head her car had a snowhawk I put it on my Nebraska bird list, one snowhawk. <laughs> Remember, folks, partly as well worth driving past. Thanks for listening. Uh, do something wild today. Look at a bird, even if it's just out the window. And please, everybody, be well. Thanks, Al. We uh, wish you the same. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thanks, Karen. Bye-bye. 